Courts around the globe are imposing rules regulating cloud computing, and that provides additional challenges to those responsible for the security and privacy of their organization's data. Hello, I'm Eric Chabro of Information Security Media Group, and I'm pleased to be speaking with Richard Falkenrath, a principal with the security consultancy, the Chertoff Group. Falkenrath is the former deputy commissioner for counterterrorism for the New York City Police Department. He recently wrote an article posted on the website safegov.org entitled The Cloud and the Courts. Welcome, Richard. Good morning, Eric. You wrote the specter of the court-imposed rules relating to the operation of cloud-based services raises a number of important issues. What are those issues? There are many, and this statement was really triggered by a court case that came down in Germany this March, in which a German court directed a file hosting site, RapidShare, to proactively filter its content put up by users. Now, this is quite different than the way this happens in the United States, where the host file hosts don't have to proactively filter the content, but they do have to take things down when when ordered to do so. And what was interesting here is anyone who is providing cloud services in Europe now may have to comply with not just German court decisions, but the court decisions potentially of any European country and the European Union. And so what this really does is add yet another layer of complexity to the utilization of cloud services, which are, as you know, almost always multinational in character to a certain degree. Your article seems to focus a lot on how governments in the United States would respond to that. What does it say about what the U.S. government should be doing in relationship to how it approaches cloud computing or how that can affect state governments as well? Okay, it affects them both. There's more, frankly, activity at the federal level just because the scale of federal government computing is so much greater. But there's great debate now about the government's shift to cloud computing. The economics of that are clear. There is a fairly strong policy, cloud first, put out by the Obama White House. But the debate has many characters, and they often relate to security and data sovereignty. A particular question is, when the a government agency imports its data to a cloud service, must that data and all the attendant infrastructure around it physically be in the United States, or may it be elsewhere in the world? And that has a wide range of implications uh, for the uh, cost and economy and, frankly, technical infrastructure of cloud service providers, and also for the different legal frameworks which govern data in different physical places. And so the conservative approach at the moment is that location matters. We can't guarantee control and sovereignty over data that isn't physically within our borders. And therefore, as we shift data to the cloud, we really have to ensure that those cloud architectures are limited to the United States because of these data sovereignty issues. And this court case in Germany illustrates that point perfectly because here it's not even the executive branch. It is a bookstore that is bringing a case in a Hamburg court that is resulting in new policy in Germany. And what that does is it reinforces a basic conservatism in U.S. government cloud computing decisions. Is that bad or good? Well, it's good for protecting your data. It's bad for realizing the economics of cloud architectures. And that's the basic dilemma. The, the, The part of the appeal of a cloud architecture is the efficiency that comes from scale and locating your services where they are cheapest and moving the data. But as you become more and more conservative on security and safety and sovereignty of the data, you deny yourself the ability to pursue that. 
Secondly, it limits the ability of government to leverage off of cloud architectures that were built around consumer needs. That again has an efficiency and an economy implication because an architecture that might be just fine for consumers won't work at all for a government enterprise. If the vendors of cloud services have to build essentially separate architectures is yet another source of sort of diseconomy in government cloud computing. With the cloud-first policy, I would assume there would be a lot of business for cloud providers to tailor their services to the government as well as perhaps other organizations that want to keep their data within the United States. Do you think there's some economic value to that? Well, there'll be benefit for the vendors who adapt to that procurement requirement. I mean, so there will be essentially a a parallel cloud universe that exists separately from the consumers who are indifferent to the location of data to a a larger degree. And there's evidence that that's happening. As you know, the the terminology that's essentially private cloud, not exactly a private cloud we're talking here, where it's closer to a public cloud, but one which is confined to the physical boundaries of the United States. Over time, there's no question that the vendors will adapt to this demand when it becomes clearly articulated by the government. One of the points in this paper, however, that we're we're talking about is even when the government thinks it's articulating a procurement requirement, it's possible that the courts, because of an ambiguous statutory framework, will reject portions of it, leading to further confusions in in this economy. Can you provide an example of how that could happen? Well, it's clearly happened in Germany. That was a case where there was an example of this. And not only did the German court take a decision that was not advocated by German government, the German court took a decision that is probably in violation of European privacy law. But there's also some complicated litigation related to the Department of Interior's desire to procure cloud-based email for its employees, which has essentially resulted in a procurement action by Department of Interior being remanded back to them to redo. This is occurring to court in this case and is operating in an area that doesn't really have precisely defined statutory guidance. I think there will be more of that, and as government agencies perceive that risk, they will proceed even more hesitantly toward these sorts of uh, innovative, cost-effective solutions. So what should the administration do? What should Congress do? Okay, so the, the, what the administration has to do here is propose legislation and then push it through Congress, and Congress has to pass it. And so I didn't, in my piece, actually get into the details of what that would be like. And as we saw both from Stop Online Privacy and the current cybersecurity debates, these types of legislation, even when they get momentum, become hugely divisive. But the administration's approach at the moment in this area is mainly to pronounce the policy and to say this is a good idea, cloud first, and to, and to write strategies and executive orders and operate within its own authorities to try to implement a cloud computing in the various government agencies. And my point here is that's insufficient. I support it on a personal basis. I think it is the right move for the U.S. government, but it is insufficient to merely work within the executive branch authorities alone. They need to be augmented by legislation, which clearly defines what the uh, government agencies who seek to innovate in their computing procurement strategies may and may not do and under what conditions, subject to what forms of appeal and, and legal challenge. I think that that will will not happen overnight, and I'm not advocating a particular point of legislation here. I'm rather advocating for a sort of joint approach engaging the executive branch and the legislature to establish that framework. The next piece I write 
Eric will likely be, and the piece that, frankly, my, my colleague Mike Chernoff has also written on, is on the importance of synchronizing these initiatives across national boundaries, which is much easier said than done. But time and again now, we are encountering cases where they disconnect and the dis, dis, different legal frameworks governing cloud computing across national boundaries are acting as a sort of rate-limiting factor for shifting the, the cloud. You made reference earlier to some uh, privacy legislation, cybersecurity legislation before Congress where there's some political divide. Do you see any kind, or partisan divide, uh, do you see any type of thing involving cloud computing, any kind of divide there? These lines clarify when bills begin to move, and the bill is not moving right now, but I foresee a divide along these lines. On the one hand, there will be essentially government contractors, uh, large companies that whose predominantly provide computing services to the government, especially the federal government. On the other hand, will be large IT firms which have provided very effectively cloud-based architecture for consumers and private enterprise. I think they will have very different interests in this debate because one will see the opportunity for essentially a protected niche, while the other will see an opportunity to expand market of an existing business model. And it seems to me logical that those two would be colliding if any legislation like this started to move. So it's sort of a marketplace conflict there rather than maybe an ideological conflict. There will undoubtedly be ideological portions of this too. And in fact, if the U.S. Congress were to try to start enacting a requirement along the lines of what the German court did to rapid share, that will provoke huge ideological conflict. And there were shades of it with the Stop Online Privacy Act, and there are shades of it with the current debate about what the Internet service providers need to do for cybersecurity threats. What impact do these concerns have on the private sector? Well, the private sector is really on its own and has quite uh, varied levels of sensitivity for these things. So there are many different actors out there with different interests. Some are totally indifferent to this and just really don't care where their data goes and assumes it's being accessed by everyone. Others have incredibly sensitive private data and are more like government agencies. Others are essentially content providers like uh, movie producers and the producers of recorded music, people with intellectual property that needs to be protected. They like advanced filtering of the sort that the German court did. So there's no uniformity in the private sector and you, you've really got to go sector by sector, business by business to figure out where their different positions are going to be on these sorts of matters. Well, this sounds like it's going to be an issue that's going to be around for quite some time. Thanks, Richard, for taking time to speak with us. You're very welcome, Eric. I've been speaking with Richard Falkenrath of the Chertoff Group. I'm Eric Chabro for Information Security Media Group. Thanks for listening.